Hello and welcome to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show I'll be using a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading mindset trauma coach, helping to inspire, support and guide you to create a growth mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. So are you ready to bring mindset to life and feel inspired? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. And today I'm joined by Judith, who spent many years living her life for others while never really feeling like she belonged. After reaching burnout, she knew things needed to change and she started a journey to figure out who she really was. While on this journey, memories of childhood trauma returned, allowing her to finally piece together an understanding of why she felt the way that she did. Since then, Judith has continued to learn more about herself and has used her experience to go on and help other impact-driven action takers to deeply transform their lives through her own proven system. Today, Judith is going to share in her own words how self-doubt impacted her life and how she has learned to manage it along the way. So welcome, Judith. It's lovely to have you on my first interview of series three. Um, I'm now back with a bang. Um, So I'm really, really excited that you have um, agreed to join me. Um, And I can't wait to deep dive into your journey of self-doubt and to just hear in your own words how it's impacted you. And more importantly, how you've learned to manage it. As I said in my... um, opening episode last week with regards to um, the changes that I've made for this podcast. My mission really is to help to bring awareness of self-doubt to the table because although it's a word we all recognize, there's still elements of it that we perhaps don't understand in ourselves um, and therefore we tend not to be able to help ourselves because we don't know what, what to do or how to apply the things that people are talking about to our own lives. And I really believe in the power of stories and sharing people's experiences will help to bring that gap from where people are to where they want to be a lot closer and allow them, our listeners, to start to see themselves in these stories and in these lives and know how to then apply it. So I'm really, really excited. Um, And I wouldn't mind just kicking it off with you just sharing in your own words a bit about you Um, if that's all right. Thank you, Emma, for that wonderful introduction. And hello to everyone who's already tuned in in this episode. I'm absolutely honored to be here, kicking this off with you for the third round, as you just said. Yeah. Yeah. You just said I'm I'm Judith. That's my name. I'm based in Germany. I'm a breakthrough coach. And the reason why we're talking here is Mm -hmm. self-doubt has been part of my life for a long, long time while I wasn't aware that it was self-doubt at that time. So you may know that you always learn when you look backwards, you know, you go through the experiences when you're in them. Sometimes it just does not feel good. But then after a while you look back and like, oh, now I get it. So Mm. this is kind of what happened to me with regards to self-doubt. To me, when I was in that process, in all these experiences, it most of the time felt more like fight. So my version of acting out on self-doubt was fight mm-hmm. fight and performance and running and resisting like this was more the world of the patterns i was in and i'm happy to share a couple of more 
detailed examples how that showed up in the various stages of my life but that was the first point I would love to make that self-doubt not necessarily means in the first end or like in the way it shows up on the outside that it always have to has to mean that we're a quiet person or that we're shy or however you know that's one picture or one version of it yeah. but it can also go to the complete opposite and then it's just rather what is behind it Sure. Right. I mean, you mentioned um, such an interesting statement there in the fact that you said that your experience was self-doubt, but not that you knew it at the time. And I think this is the thing that a lot of us are going through elements of self-doubt, but are so oblivious to it that we've almost accepted that that's our way of life. And therefore, life will always be hard or we'll always have these challenges or we'll never get the luck that other people have or we'll never make the money that other people have. And we just have this sort of acceptance around it. Um, whilst deep down, we're, we're battling with that not deserving, not belonging like you felt um, in your early years, early adult years. Um, certainly when you were in, was it in the corporate world that you were very much feeling like you were giving everything to everybody and, and nothing for yourself, which ultimately then led on to, to you burning out. Um, and this is something that for me is, is a real sort of brilliant starting point, but a really key part when it comes to self-doubt, because we don't know what we don't know. Um, and often we turn our back on building that awareness through slight denial or because we don't want the hard work or, you know, we want someone else to do it for us. But it really is about recognizing some of the patterns that are going on in your life that perhaps aren't serving you. And like you said, you know, for you, it was very much the fighting aspect, the resistance, um, you know, that um, drive to always please other people rather than pleasing yourself. Um, and, these are classic signs and symptoms of self-doubt, but are still very unrecognized in the large proportion of people. The interesting thing is that when you say it's about this people pleasing, which it yeah. is, but to me back then it never felt like that. Yeah. I wasn't even aware that I was doing it because I didn't understand the driver of my action taking. I thought yeah. I was just in the path on climbing climbing that corporate career ladder you know it was normal to see oh okay I'm in a year like in that position now I gotta go and see what's the next level what's the next career step so I gotta push harder I gotta go faster I you know kind of that kind of thing and yeah. it did not feel like I have to please somebody mm -hmm. though looking back what was driving myself of course was that because I wanted to fit in that was the I wanted to belong somewhere, even though back then I didn't know it. Yeah. And the other part about the burnout is because that's what I learned much later as well, looking back. I thought for a while it had really been caused through the corporate world. Mm -hmm. But at some point I thought like, well, when I went down in that burnout, I had only been working in the corporate world for like three years. Right. So it was not that long. Yeah, it was quite an intense time. You know, I had like these 80 hour weeks and stuff and traveling overnight and then next morning meeting somewhere else, you know, the, the stereotype. Yeah, I did all that. But then I was like, it's three, it's been three years, you know, you can't really burn out like that. And for me, it was on the physical end. So my body was just giving me both middle fingers. Yeah, <laughs> like, stop. 
stuff yeah. we can't. But reflecting back later on, I found that this was only the result of from when I burned out, looking back 10 years, roughly eight to 10 years. It mm-hmm. had not only been in that corporate world, that had been like a catalyst because yeah. then life started to be even faster and more demanding in the workspace. But even yeah. beforehand in my studies and then where I went for internships and even before like the last years of high school and then taking into account my personal situation in my family, divorce of my parents, tons of things that had already started to build up on that process that then mm-hmm. ended in that burnout when my body said no more. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's almost like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I experienced burn, burnout and it was, it was crazy because it was all over an online exam that um, I got one question wrong, which just sounds ridiculous, but it was like the whole world had ended. And yet in that moment, it looked really dramatic, but the reality was it had been building for months, if not years. And that just happened to be the defining moment that went, no, like something's got to give. Um, And I think that's the thing is that we do push ourselves, don't we, an awful lot, especially when you are feeling like you need to prove yourself. Um, Or if you're searching like where you said, you know, you felt like you didn't belong and you were uh, climbing that corporate ladder almost in the way of searching for where you were meant to be, that we focus so much time and energy on that, that we forget about ourselves and a massive a massive thing for the, for self-doubt is self-love and compassion um and yet it's the one thing that we tend to ignore the most because we're so busy doing everything for everybody else yeah it is and i love that you pick up on the emotional level on that because yeah that was basically the the missing puzzle pieces like again later i discovered that because I thought I was, you know, I was the person being on the performance side of life, you know, just achieving stuff and, you know, did my high school, did my studies, did that career, went to the US, went to Spain, living that life, you know, I thought everything was good. But what I did not realize, only in these still moments, mm-hmm. that at least I tried to avoid because they were uncomf- uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But when they were there, I felt this emptiness, this void. And also emotionally, I couldn't really get to a place of real joy. Yeah. These moments of fun or like a moment of joy, but I couldn't really keep that emotion. I couldn't keep that state of ease and joy and excitement and, you know, life being amazing. It always swapped to the hard side. And within that, I didn't really, I always jumped across fear and sadness because mm-hmm. I had learned at some point in my life those were not something that are okay to show yeah. I don't get anywhere with that so anytime so this is why for a long time I thought I don't have any fears yeah I was completely in this thing saying no I don't fear anything yeah. whereas what I feared most was myself and my own feelings yeah so that's why I went straight every time something was struggling I straight went into anger Because that, you know, sets free energy for take action. Yeah. And that was the pattern I was in. And while I was running, running, running in this, inside the void became larger, 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 because, you know, no sadness, no 
really looking at fear. And then because of that, there's no space for joy either and for the excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And you're almost numbing yourself, I suppose, from and, and a form of punishment, subconscious punishment for for joy. I totally relate to that. I, I feel like I've run most of my life. And if I stop, I'm scared what might catch up. Um, yeah. And I know that that stems a lot from my past. Um, and, you know, having worked with other um, clients who have gone through similar experiences to me, I know that that's sort of a common theme that we just think if we keep running and keep doing, we haven't got to face up to to the reality. And, and you mentioned the fact that obviously on times of reflection, when you were in that silence, it felt uncomfortable um, but you learn a lot, but often we resist those moments. When did you, was it in burnout that you realized, hang on, something's got to change here? Because like you said, you know, you were only three years into your corporate world. And although it was an intense environment, you wouldn't normally think that you would be in that position of burnout after three years. So what, just talk me through your thoughts there, because obviously when you are burnt out and you're signed off and your body's telling you to stop and the universe is giving you a slap saying, I've been trying to warn you for ages and you've not listened. Um, again, some people still bury their heads in the sand. What made you sit back and think, actually, what's going on here? I think for me, it was because it affected my body in such a way. Mm. So I wasn't depressed at all. It was really... I was quite stable in that, but I needed that physical restoration. Mm -hmm. And with that, I had to learn how to eat again. So I was not wow. declining food or anything. I was just in that pattern of, oh, I'm too busy to eat. Yeah. So I had kind of lost the sense of when I'm hungry or when I'm not, or when I'm eating, like when I'm full or when I'm not, like total loss of connection to that what the body needs and my main process through the healing was to reconnect with my body like the physical part and that got me thinking to the point like okay what I learned out of that was I'm never gonna ever put a career on top of my health mm -hmm. so health will always be prior number one mm -hmm. that was the main learning out of that and with this I went back into corporate just different roles and then pursued that and in these next years after that, while I started taking more care of myself, but just on the physical end, mm -hmm. what came up through those years was this, oh, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Yeah. And that was, this was the void. I started to feel more and more of this. I have no clue. Even, you know, if you say like these every month, a million will drop into your bank account. You don't ever have to work again. What would you do? Yeah. No idea no idea and that was nagging for a very long time and this also because I could not find any answers was absolutely feeding the self-doubt because mm -hmm. I was like okay if I can't even say what I like I couldn't say what I loved like a hobby pick a hobby pick something food you like pick wh whatever you want I couldn't give any of the answers yeah. like how can I not know anything how did what that make you feel shitty not yeah. worthy that's all the self-doubt stuff coming on. And that, then the return of that process, you know, the cycle it went was like, ooh, because I, I don't know all the answers. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. I, you know, I can't express what I want, apparently, because I can't mm -hmm. find the answers. Must mean I can't, I'm not good at anything. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy. Yeah. And because of that, that's the thought pattern. Ooh, it must mean I need to work harder. Yeah. And there the cycle catches up again. Yeah. So I was able to manage it in a better way because of the other experience of the burnout. So I had learned and I had grown, but then came in what was more on the emotional level and on the mental level, because I was questioning myself all the time. And I had figured out by that, that I had seemed to have sort of an issue with male superiors, Uh but I could never figure out why. Right. Until then that trauma memory came back, but that was a couple of years later of me having been sexually abused when I was a little child mm-hmm. by a man. Yeah. And that kind of. And then when I tried to tell my parents, they didn't believe me. So that kind of crushed my whole system in, in trusting yeah. the world, other people, and ultimately trusting that I am worth mm-hmm. being and hurt the way I am. Yeah. And yeah. only when I learned that bit by bit, putting together the pieces of the puzzle, that is when I understood why I had such adversity in all these situations, why I always felt so hard. I was that person at work who cried once I got criticized. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody could tell me 99% of everything you did was amazing. Could check this one little thing. Mm. My mind was like, oh my goodness, I screwed up. Yeah, yeah. That is how high that self-doubt level was and that, that believe about myself that I'm not worthy if I'm not performing. Mm-hmm. That was so closely connected for such a long time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, the 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 exploring that you have from the physical into the mental, because they are very much connected, obviously led on to you identifying the um, memories from childhood trauma, which you've gone on to say that obviously your parents didn't um, believe you, which then led on to, to the lack of trust. Um, two things that I really want to explore on that. Obviously, one, understanding or regaining that memory. You, you said in um, chats that we've had previously that that was the final piece for you understanding yourself. So was there an element of, well, what emotions came through with that understanding? But then also, obviously, on the other side, you've then got your parents saying that they don't believe you. What was the impact of that? You spoke about that trusting, um, but you then said bit by bit you started to rebuild. So if you can just talk through that bit, because obviously not everyone has gone through um, childhood abuse, but we've all gone through, I believe, some form of trauma in our lives where we've emotionally been affected. And ultimately, when we go through trauma like that, it really does impact on trust, whether that's trust in self, trust in others, trust in the process, whatever it may be. And I I genuinely think the lack of trust that we have really does hold us back massively. So I'd love to know sort of how you've managed to rebuild that and what that looked like. Well, that was kind of a longer process, to be honest. That was nothing that came overnight. No, no. (laughs) And the thing is, it really took time. You know, when I told my parents back then, I was about six. So that was the shocking part that led to my system kind of putting away that that memory until it came back just a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So it was more than 30 years. Mm -hmm. I grew up not knowing what had happened. And that created this huge 
distance or the discrepancy from myself and then learning about it at a stage where I already had gone through lots and lots of different levels of personal development and of emotional clearance and all these things, past life work, whatnot, you know, lots and lots of things. Um, I had figured that I had a trusting issue and to just knowing about it was relieving. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I was able to say, ooh, okay, I can't stop, even though I have no idea what the solution is now or what's next. But it made me feel like, okay, now maybe I can stop running. Yeah. There might be a solution on the way, even if I could not see it back then. And then next steps to, because the ultimate goal I still had was this, oh, I want more ease and this joy in my life. Mm. And then I understood to get there, I had to go through the fear and the sadness to let go of that. And then at a later stage, a lot of shame kicked in. Mm -hmm. So I had to really acknowledge the intensity of all these emotions and to understand that I cannot lock them away if I want the other end. So like we always need both and we need to look at them and release like being an emotion coach today as well, I, I know that emotions can be in function or out of function. So if they're out of function is what you call when there's a block. So what I had to go through was go through all the emotional blocks that I was facing. Mm-hmm. And bit by bit by bit, I felt more this inner peace that I could never find before. Wow. So I started to really feel my body, feel feelings and emotions I had never felt before. Like really embracing and opening up to grief and to sadness. Boy, that took it took like two to three years to really have the ability and the courage to get there. Even at some points when I logically said, oh, I need to go there. Mm. It was still not accessible because of that trust. Yeah. I was so stuck for a long time in this fear of dying because of that memory of that experience, I was so close to, okay, it's not safe. Yeah. It's not safe to trust. It's not safe to just be, because I might die. Somebody might hurt me. Yeah. And to get through that was multiple layers and go there again and again and again. I think totally like all in all two to three years from like the very first steps to dive in and to, start to understand how everything is connected to really get to the core of it and then be good with it and clear it. Yeah. And then bit by bit, this joy came in. I remember, I think that was maybe a year and a half ago. So not too long was the first time where I felt like, Oh my goodness, I feel, I truly deeply feel joy. Amazing. Amazing. And that joy that you feel did it make everything that you've gone through worth it? Because what I see a lot, and I know I battled with it when I was dealing with my own um, abuse that I've gone through, was the fear, like you said, of feeling unsafe and also having to go through the emotions. And I know a lot of people would rather block those emotions and just live their life as they are now, even though they know 
that they are missing out on a lot. They know how to handle that, that version of themselves rather than putting themselves through more turmoil to get to this freedom, essentially. Um, and I myself resisted it and actually forgiveness played a massive, massive part in, in my journey, but it was something I resisted for a good two years. And I was like, there's no way I'm ever forgiving um, the people that did what they did to me. But the reality was the forgiveness wasn't about them. It was about me and setting myself free. Um, and having come the other side, I, I 100% know that it was worth it, but I'd love to know just your, having said that you never felt fear to then being faced with fear, what drove you to keep going? Because this is the biggest thing. People dip their toe in, get scared and think, shit, I can't do this. This is just too hard. So I would love to know your tips or your advice on what kept you going. Was it a particular, I don't know, goal or a feeling or, you know, what, what was going through your mind and your body that, that motivated you? Essentially, it was the question that I had when I tried to fill that void, you know, that question like, what do I want? Mm. What do I want in life? And once I had understood that I could only answer the question when I got to my core and that I had to look at all these things to be in a position to see in the end, it goes back to meaning and purpose. Mm. That's behind that question. Like, what am I here for? Mm. That was something that was completely, it was pushing and pulling me at the same time. And that was my driver. Yeah. But so if someone is listening now and who's not in that position to having this strong driver here, you can also ask yourself the question, what is that that you desire? It does not have to be to find the largest meaning and to change the world and, you know, have that huge impact. You can if you want, but you don't have to. You can as well go to, well, how positively could my life be if I could just feel that bit lighter? Mm. How would it change everything if I could be a bit more happy? Mm what would be possible not only for myself but maybe for the family for your friends for whatever it is go to the small things that are accessible to you right now mm. somebody that you look up to to say "Ooh, that's a role model or somebody i admire for that one aspect and that might be in that emotional realm that might be that you see that person that is always so happy or that is in a good mood and you feel like how in, on earth is that possible yeah. Like that, you know, if you can connect to something like that, whatever it may be for you, that is, I'd say, enough in vertical commas. It doesn't have to be around, ooh, what's that big purpose and meaning? That was my driver and it yeah. worked very well. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I totally relate to that. And I think um, for me, it was very much, what is this going to cost me if I don't sort it out? Because I reached burnout. I, um, lost a lot of weight through nervous energy i i'm a very sporty person and i didn't have the energy to like to exercise or to do anything and i was pushing every loved person loved one away sorry and destroying myself and and my relationships and it got to the point where it was like if i carry on like this i'm i'm gonna end up with nothing um and something's got to give and I can't keep doing this. I'm not happy. And this is not 
surely this is not what I'm here for. And I think that was my real driver was, if I don't change this, I'm going to end up on my own or worse off than where I am right now. And that's just not an option. Um, and again, quite often, I think when you can reframe your situation that you're in, whatever struggles you're going through, it's almost like that fear of not doing something versus the, the fear of doing something. And if the fear of not doing something is bigger than the fear of doing something, then you're onto a winner because you've then got that motivation. It's going to be, there's going to be fearful moments wherever, isn't there? But if you can see that by doing this hard journey, that it's going to open your life up in so many beautiful ways versus doing nothing and being handed shit after shit, do you know what I mean? And challenge after challenge and eating away at you even more. Yeah, and the thing is, like you said, forgiveness definitely has played a major role for mm. me as well. And the other thing is to to know and to be good with knowing that it's not one thing you do and will change overnight. Yeah. And also, like what kept me going as well, except the purpose or meaning question, you know, what I want was that in these thousand little steps I took, so it actually really was a accumulation of all the small wins, right? You just got to allow yourself to celebrate every time you look at one thing and you can figure it out or you can feel it, celebrate it and acknowledge that you just did something great and amazing for you. And by doing these things over and over again, it can be another motivation. That was something that motivated me as well, feeling and seeing the results. And that gets you more into a space of more possibilities, more options. And that automatically gets you step by step to more joy and then the celebration aspect around it. 100%. And I think, you know, the thing is, a lot of people, again, fail to celebrate success or even to acknowledge it. And I think we're often so caught up in what we need to do next that we don't stop and go, do you know what, actually, I really noticed that. I can really feel that. I'm noticing the difference. That felt a lot easier. I didn't beat myself up over that. I wasn't hesitating. I wasn't hiding. But when, like you say, when you actually take the time to consciously acknowledge these wins and to feel them, that's the motivation and the encouragement that you need to build on that. Um, but it's, again, allowing yourself permission to do that. And I think certainly women in particular, we try, we tend not to celebrate our successes and we play everything down, even if it's a compliment or whatever, we tend to push it off um, and go, well, what this old top or, you know, something. Um, but being open to receiving and acknowledging it is a massive part of this process and actually makes the hard stuff a lot easier because you're really noticing that this hard work is paying off. And I'm now starting to come out the other side. It is. And the thing is, some people, you know, if you haven't really started this journey, anybody who's listening, just being knowing there's a million different tools and a million different things that you can do and that you can try. So all the times how I got to where I am today, being that coach, helping others and supporting them to go through these things mm -hmm. is like magically my journey in all the different trainings I did, the certifications I have magically took me through all these deeper levels and surface levels and emotion and subconscious and 
drama and mindset or everything that there is in the end it was because I needed them for myself and then I'm applying them or helping others with that and it's not as one-way street as it might feel you know maybe you think oh there's a therapy I need to do if I want to go there it's one option but there's so many things and so many beautiful tools mm -hmm. deeper ones or smaller ones that you apply every day so that is the beauty in it just know about the different like the whole I call it like a buffet of yeah. opportunities and possibilities to get to where you want to go Definitely. And again, I think, you know, we often compare ourselves to others and um, do what other people are doing, hoping to get the same results. And the reality is we are we are totally unique. And so because it's worked for somebody else doesn't always mean it's going to work for us. But that doesn't mean that something else that doesn't work for them might work for you. And I think, like you say, you know, with this whole buffet of um, resources and techniques is a, is a beautiful way to look at that because I will go for different things to you um, and what resonates with me won't with, with you necessarily and there's no right or wrong and I think again it's it's not being disheartened when you try something once or twice and maybe it's not working in the way that you want it to that's not to say that you are destined for this hardship it's just that you've not found your way yet and also again I firmly believe that obviously the more layers you start to strip away the di the different things you then need because you're mm -hmm. you're exposing different levels and different requirements and different emotions and so by starting off with a meditation that might work for the first couple of weeks but then when you're starting to unlock that and your confidence is growing you might then feel that you want to explore something else or that you're um you're you're like uh what's the word I'm looking for um not desiring it but you've got this longing to try something and it's like for me I struggled massively with medicine I mean I'm a hypnotherapist but I struggled massively one with hypnotherapy went through my training from a trust point of view but very much um meditation because it I couldn't silence my mind. My mind was always on the go. So I was very much a journaler. Um, and, even, and, and also, again, I've got photographic memory, but I struggled to visualize certain things about myself. And so I really struggled with that. So I went with what worked for me. And then over time, I, I can't go a day without meditation now. I, it, it's my non-negotiable. It's something that I crave. That's what I was looking for. I crave it. And I just think, oh, God, I really need that. But it's, it's having the confidence, the space and the permission to ask your body what it needs. And I think, you know, in lockdown, um, everyone's routine changed. Um, I know for me, my routine changed. But the one thing that I said to my husband and my son was that I will still exercise every day because you guys will benefit from me exercising because it will benefit me and the ripple effect will benefit you. And so I knew out of my other stuff maybe had to stop, but this was a non-negotiable. Um, and then gradually I built in time to then do my meditations without having a, a, a nerve gun bullet or a piece of Lego or someone flying something at me in this juggling world that we've been in for the last 18 months. But it, it's just that perseverance, isn't it? 
Being yeah, it is. And what, you know what I just described, be it the meditation or um, doing yoga or whatever it is, it's all part of restoration. And we know through positive psychology that this is an immense driver for your health and also how good you can feel. Mm. So it makes absolute sense to look at what kind of mini routines, you know, even if you do like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's all good and find yours. And I just need to smile when you said you were not so connected to visualizing, but you love journaling. Mm. It was the other way around. Right. I had to kind of learn to journal. It didn't yeah. give me anything, but mm. now I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of kept a diary when I was going through my therapy right at the start of my, um, like when I was really um, hitting my, my abuse head on. And I remember writing this journal third party, mm. um, but then reading it and I was like blown away with the, with how I was writing. I was like, this is bloody amazing. But I was disassociating myself to it. So I had that freedom to write it. But um, I've always loved that journaling part. But now, weirdly, I, I don't turn to that so much anymore. I turn to other things that just work better. Um, and that's the beauty of it all is, you know, this stuff, you know, mindset stuff and working on um, self-doubt is a everyday um, routine. But when you can make it fun and you can create new habits from it and you you see and you feel the benefits from it, it becomes a natural part of who you are. And it's just about exploring because nothing is the same ever in anything that we do. And so if you can be fluid in how you adapt to your nurturing of your well-being, mentally and physically, then that just keeps it fresh as well. Um, yes. And the fun, like, you know, if you can get to a perspective about life in general, to regard it as something where you constantly move into making an experience, learning something, understanding how to integrate the learning, mm -hmm. let go of it. Mm -hmm. Go, even if you go through the same experience, but you're on a different level, you're a different version of yourself than the first time you ran through the same experience. You yeah. Call, make it simple, like going to the movies or going on a playground or whatever it is, simple things. Yeah. So yeah. You've, done, you've gone through that experience and you learned something and you integrated it and then you do it again. It's yeah. a different version. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Apply that view on life. It makes it so much easier and it takes off so much pressure. Without. Thus, it serves the self-doubt because it's yeah. connected a lot with pressure yeah. as well. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's so true. It's so true. We all experience things differently depending on each and every day, don't we? Um, and there's so much linked in with that, um, for sure. It's been amazing speaking to you, Judith. And I literally could carry on for, for hours. I find all of this fascinating. I love getting insights into other people's experiences, their view on it, um, love finding out about people's journeys and life's full stop. You've, you know, through everything um, in your journey, it's led you to then go on and help other people using your experience, something that I relate to myself because that's what I do. And, and I always love meeting other women who, who do that because for me, everything happens for a reason. Uh, that was a massive thing that got me through my past. And I know not everyone always agrees with that or wants to agree with that. And again, it just almost shows that that's fine. That's yeah. what's got me through it. And that's okay. And so 
to to meet like-minded women who are taking a, a taking back the power from the pain and going on this journey of um, unknowns um, and learning along the way is incredible. Do you have one top tip out of everything that you've gone through that the listeners can take away that kind of was a bit of your um, go-to when it came to, I don't know, doubt or whatever, when you were in the vulnerable moments or when you were in the excited moments? In the excited moments, definitely to practice, and it's a practice, these little wins. Yeah. So really, that could be if you want a journal or if you're more a person that loves to speak, put, you know, just record it on your phone if you don't want a journal. Yeah. But keep a record in whichever way of every win every day. Mm -hmm. And the win can be if you get up and you say, I'm going to drink three liters of water today and you accomplish it by the end, or you go out for a 15-minute walk, Mm -hmm. the win yeah that is something that really because over time it builds and it also builds your emotional ability it mm -hmm. starts to shift and counterbalance the stuff that is stressing mm. so that was on the winning end um on the other end is to not be afraid to ask for help whatever kind of help that is the first thing can be to just allow yourself to google meditations you know just mm -hmm. allow yourself to read that book go on that youtube channel whatever feels good allow yourself and mm -hmm. as a next move work with someone yeah and that is because that has brought me massively through the burnout phase i found somebody close to here who worked through this mindfulness based stress reduction model okay and it was just eight weeks but it has absolutely supported me and i could have never done that by myself no so asking for help when you're not feeling good. So that is on the other end, whatever that means. Definitely. And again, I think, you know, when, when we're going through something like that, it feels very lonely and we can almost be a bit of our own worst enemy and think, oh, I've got, I've got to do this all myself. Yeah. Um, other times you think I need to save time and money um, or I haven't got the time or the money to do it. And so you waste time and money faffing around trying to figure it out on yourself, uh, on your own. Um, and I think it is really important. It shows true strength when you actually reach out to others to help you. Um, and to know that there are, for me, when I started to reach out to people, whether it be therapists, healers, coaches, whatever it may be, knowing I haven't got to do all of this on my own and I've got this safe haven that I can go to outside of my normal everyday life was amazing. And that in itself just shifted a lot of stuff that I was carrying on my shoulders. Um, and so, yeah, I love the fact that, you know, definitely don't do this on their, on their own for sure. Um, if anyone who's listening to this wants to find out more about you or to uh, reach out to you, how can we find you? Anyone here, which I suppose is the majority being um, English speaking, can just, yeah. <laughs> can just jump on my LinkedIn channel. So just uh -huh. Google my name, Jurid Junko, on you will see in the show notes, I think. Yeah. Just follow that LinkedIn profile. This is English content. But if you just want to see other stuff, you can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook. That is predominantly German currently. But I'm sharing lots of different things. And coaching one-on-one -on -one is available in English or in German. I'm running a four-month program or a 5 weeks program. 
it's about your identity, your strength, the shorter one or the other one is really about that deeper transformation. If you've experienced anything that you feel is today keeping you from living the life you want. So that is the two options you have and you can find any kind of information on that English content always on LinkedIn. Awesome. And I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I keep forgetting because it's still so new. I'm in writing my first uh, book in a corporation and that one will be in English. Oh, <laughs> That'd be available in um, December, I believe. It's oh, it awesome. published in the UK. So it will definitely be available. Awesome. And it's about... Um, kind of giving a lighter access to all the trauma work so the deep stuff that is yeah, not yeah. light so we're all doing it with a couple of people retelling fairy tales sort oh, of wow. using those characters to display what is possible yeah. oh so I love that funny thing <laughs> I love that oh I'll definitely be getting a copy that's for sure but um Judith it's been amazing um thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of um this series with me for your honesty, your rawness, um, your compassion. Um, and yeah, I really, really appreciate having this opportunity to find out more about you and to share our thoughts together um, with everybody in the hopes, you know, we're really starting to build this awareness in um, self-doubt. So um, thanks ever so much. You've been an absolute rock star and uh, we will see you all. Well, I will see you next week and I'm sure there'll be more with Judith, especially when she launches her book, we might get you back on and talk about that. Yay, let's do that. It's been an honor to be in your kickoff show here in the first episode. And thank you that you're restarting that. Thank you that you're taking that path because I feel it's an important one. Yeah. We need to share this. We need to talk about this. Awesome. It's been great. Well, I will uh, love you and leave you and I'll see you all next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.